When you are free, you live a life that sets other people free. God has more for you than you can ever imagine. Three words, hope, health, and healing. Amen by myself. Welcome to Midtown. Oh, did I even say who I was? My bad. I'm Ephraim Smith. I'm one of the pastors here, a.k.a. Dr. E, a.k.a. Lil Reb, Urban Chocolate Angel. So glad to see y'all here at Midtown Church. If you're a first-time visitor, we're so glad you're here that you decided to start your year off with us. We're so honored that, that you would do that. We're in a new series called New Year's Revolution, Beyond a Temporary Resolution. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about a relationship revolution, a health revolution, a financial revolution. Over the next few weeks, <laughs> you in the front row. I don't know how you didn't hear. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a relationship revolution, a health revolution, a financial revolution. Amen, amen, amen. We're going we're to get y'all from casino to Christ. <laughs> but if you do win at the, the casino, the QR code for giving will be right up here on the screen. <laughs> um, today we're talking about a faith revolution. A faith revolution. What you believe matters. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. There's a word in the book of Acts, chapter 9, uh, verse 1. Oh, man, I'm, usually I look down here to see how much time I have to preach, but ain't nothing on there. <laughs> There's a word in the book of Acts, chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. We're picking up a story that is already in progress. You ever been watching TV and it said, we joined this program already in progress. Acts 9 verse 1, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way that's following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless they heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, Faith Revolution, Walking with God for Life. Faith Revolution, Walking with God for Life. God, I pray this would be your message. Ultimately, you would be speaking, and I would just be the vehicle, the vessel that you have decided to use to say what you want to say. To these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers, God, I desire to be obedient to your word. So please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Faith revolution, walking with God for life. What do you do when you are wrong? What do you do when you are wrong? Because 
if we really want to be honest about it, this is why we make New Year's resolutions. A New Year's resolution is just a way to say, I was wrong last year. (laughs) That's really what it is. It's like, I'm making this resolution because there was an area in my life last year that if I'm honest, I was wrong. And so, you know, I I was wrong to get that extra biscuit in that value meal. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was, I was wrong to get the second iced tea. I was wrong. I was, I was wrong. And it was sweet tea. You know, I could have got the non-sweetened tea. I was wrong. So I got to make a resolution this year. I got to make a resolution because last year I did some stuff that if I'm honest, I was wrong. What do you do when, when you're wrong? What do you do when you're going down the wrong road? Uh, every, every once in a while, I don't know why this is. Uh, my, me and my wife are driving somewhere and um, uh, I, I, I realize I'm, I'm going the wrong direction. I'm realizing I I didn't miss my turn and now I'm going down a street, a a road. I have no business going down. It's not going to get me to the destination. And I have to decide in this split second if I will admit to my wife in the passenger seat whether I was wrong and she was right. Sometimes I just say, you know, I wanted to go this way to see what the Lord would say and then we're going to go back the way we're supposed to go. But I needed to listen. No, no that's, that's, that's a lie. That's a lie. I was just wrong. What do you do when you're wrong? Do you admit it? Do you apologize? Is it challenging to admit you're going in the wrong direction? Do you take the steps to move in the right direction? Maybe for some of us, we have to admit that in 2023, there might have been an area. There might have been a decision. There, 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 there was a choice that, 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 that got us in the wrong direction. Or maybe the choices of somebody else. The choices of someone you love, the choices of someone you care about, put you on an emotional, mental, spiritual road that you had no intention of being on in the first place. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you get on the wrong road based on your own decisions, and sometimes the decisions of other people get you on a road that you did not want to be on in the first place. The good news is God will meet you on whatever road you are on. This was the issue with Saul, also named Paul. In Acts 13, you can get more information. I will deal with this a little bit later in this message of why this one human being is both known as Saul and known as Paul. But Paul, Saul, was on a road. We could say that he was on the right road, but headed to do wrong. He was on the way to persecute Christians. In life, we are all on a road. What puts us on a road? What puts you and I on a road is one of three things. Either we're going somewhere, we're waiting to go somewhere, we're hoping to go somewhere. So either we're already in motion going somewhere, that's why we're on a road. Or we're waiting for somebody to come pick us up. And that's why we're on the road because we're, we're going somewhere. We're just waiting for the person that we're going to the destination with. Or three, we're just standing there hoping, standing there wishing. 
wishing we could go the direction of marriage, wishing we could go the direction of having children, wishing we could go the direction of a new job, wishing we could go the direction of owning a home, wishing we could go the direction of getting out of debt, wishing we could go the direction of healing. We're either on the road going somewhere, waiting to go somewhere or hoping to go somewhere. But we're all on a road. We're all on a road. The question becomes, what road are you on and do you know where you're going? Some of y'all seasoned people remember there was a movie with Diana Ross called Mahogany. Billy D. Williams and Diana Ross. Y'all young chillings don't know nothing I'm talking about. But there was a theme song. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? That's the song that is ringing in many of us as we start this year. Do you know where you're going to? Do you know what life is showing you? More importantly, do you know where God desires to take you? Do you know? Ah, Paul is on a road, but he's heading to do wrong. Paul was approved by the religious structure after the stoning of Stephen found in Acts 7 to go and persecute other people like Stephen who were following Jesus. But the resurrected Christ meets Saul on the road and turns his life around. That's a revolution. That's not a resolution. That's a revolution. A revolution is when you take your allegiance and you move it from one king to another. When you move your allegiance from one citizenship to another. To leave a country and give yourself to another country, that's a revolution. To, 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 to take your supreme allegiance from one government, from one nation, and give it to another, that's a revolution. To say, yes, I live in America, but my citizenship in the kingdom of God is more supreme than my citizenship in the United States of America is revolutionary. It's a revolution. To give your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is revolutionary. It's not just religious, it's a revolutionary relationship to say yes to Jesus. What does it look like to start this year on the road to a faith revolution? What I mean by this is to deepen your faith, to strengthen your faith. Because what the enemy wants to do, what the devil wants to do, what sin wants to do is distance you from your relationship with God. To cause you to have such a crisis of faith that you question the existence of God. You you question if the Bible is real. And so the devil wants to bring pain. The devil wants to bring turmoil. The, The devil wants to bring anxiety and lies in such a way that you will turn from your faith. That's revolutionary too, to say there is no God. I don't believe in God. But but there is an there is a revolution that leads to hell and a revolution that leads to eternity and we have to make up our minds which revolution do we want I wish I could say it nicer but I got to tell you the truth which revolution do you want to be a part of the faith revolution contains two elements 
that we're going to peel back on in these main points. Repentance and reconciliation. In the Christian life, there's no true revolution going on in your life if there's not repentance. And there was the repentance when you gave your life to Christ. But there's a daily repentance. There's an ongoing repentance. When we said yes to Jesus, we were reconciled to God and we are supposed to be reconciled to one another in new ways, across ethnicity, across race, across culture, across economic class status, all of that social stuff. We're supposed to have relationship in new ways. One of the ways to know whether you're living in a revolution of faith on a regular basis is to ask yourself, where do I still need to repent? Where do I still need to get things right? Just because you said sorry last year don't mean that there's some sorries you're going to have to enter into this year and next year. Revolution is about repentance. Revolution is also about reconciliation. Who is out there in your sphere of influence that you need to get right with relationally? Who do you need to reconcile with? Who do you need to bring peace to? Where is there a need for healing? So a faith revolution is always based on repentance and reconciliation repentance and reconciliation this is the revolution some people just see the revolution as war as violence as takeover as oppression as defeating no our revolution is not about defeat it's about the divine it's not about war it's about holiness it is well it is about war on a spiritual level but your battle's not against flesh and blood it's against principalities and spirits and high places and so the revolution is always about repentance and reconciliation. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? It's a war, but not that kind of war. Let me get to these three points and get y'all out of here. I don't even know how much time I got. The Lord better be my clock. (laughs) When it's 1115, wave at me or something. Hopefully I get you out of here before then. So what is the road to the revolution, the faith revolution look like? One, God meets us on the road of our plans. That's good news. If you want a revolution this year, the the good news is you don't have to just go find God. God will find you. God will meet you on whatever road you're on right now. If you're on the road of anger, if you're on the road of stress, if you're on the road of pain, if you're on the road of disappointment, if you're on the road of frustration, if you're on the road of pride, if you're on the road of arrogance, if you're on the road of individualism, if you're on the road of self, whatever road you own, God will show up on your road. That, that's good news. That, that, that's good news. You, you trying to find God, God already found you. This was the case with Saul in in Acts 9. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Paul is on a road and he's going to persecute, oppress Christians. What would this look like? Because Christians and the way, that was synonymous. So before the followers of Jesus were called Christians, they were called people of the way. Their movement was called 
called the way. Maybe that's, I don't know, because God is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way to God. Nobody can get truly into an intimate, eternal relationship with God without Christ. So they're following the one that is the way. Makes sense that their movement at this point is called the way. But but what I like about this whole issue of a revolution and a road is that that's what a way is. One of the definitions of a way is the path, the road, the street to get you to your destination. So the way is a journey. The Christian life is the journey to live the Christian life, to be a person of faith. You are moving. You are going somewhere. You are heading towards an eternal destination and you're heading somewhere. So there's, there's movement. But when you're on a road and you're going somewhere, sometimes there's potholes. Sometimes there's construction. Sometimes there's detours. Sometimes there's red lights. Sometimes there's stop signs. Sometimes there's yield signs. Sometimes there's speed limits. Uh, uh, There's all kinds of things that you'll find on the road that you are on in life. Sometimes you're trying to enter into something and God will say stop. Sometimes God will say green light. You go ahead. Sometimes God will say caution. Sometimes God will say construction. I'm going to take you over here. I know you didn't want to go over here right now, but I got to take you over here because over here is better than right where you are right now. Oh, we're all on the road because we are people of the way. Ah, we're trying to make this plain to y'all, trying to make it plain to you. He's on the right road with the wrong motives, the wrong plan. You can be on the right road doing wrong stuff. God deals with our destructive destinations by writing our wrong plans. Yes, 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 yes. So, so, so God wants to meet you and I on the road. So it says here in verse, verse four, uh, that he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Do you know when God meets you on the road and starts doing things in your life, there might be other people in your life on the same road, but they can't hear what you hear. They can't see what you see. Everybody don't hear from God the same way. Some people ain't even with God the way you're with God. So stop expecting everybody around you on the same road as you to understand everything God's trying to say to you. Maybe God is trying to get you in a secret place, in an intimate relationship. I know it's painful sometimes when God is speaking to you, but your spouse ain't heard yet. God is speaking to you, but your parents aren't believers. God is speaking to you, but none of your siblings believe in Jesus. You're the only one going to church by yourself. Stay on the road and keep listening to the voice of God. Stop expecting everybody around you to hear what you hear, to see what you see. Everybody ain't going to see it. Jesus, I don't know why they didn't see it. If Jesus showed up on the road and say, I'm the one you're persecuting, everybody there should have been like, ah, everybody. But for some reason, when God shows up, everybody ain't moved by it. Sometimes when God speaks, some people got their ears plugged. Some people, when God shows up, they just ain't ready. They just ain't prepared. Their heart ain't there yet. Their mind ain't there yet. They just haven't made a decision to say yes. Will you listen to God anyway, even if the other people on the same road as you aren't listening? 
God meets us on the road of our plans. The revolution begins with repentance, a turning. Ah, God meets us on the road of our plans. Point two, God exposes our blind spots. God exposes our blind spots. Acts 9 verse 8. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has Come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Oh, the Lord put a little exclamation point on that. (laughs) This man is my chosen instrument. See, the person that you've written off, the person that you think is too sinful, the person that you think is too addicted to drugs, the person that you think is all in the street, the person that you think will never come around. Sometimes God will say, now it's time to go. To the hard-hearted, to the sinner, to the rebellious, to the broken, to the lost, to the oppressed. And so Ananias has a decision to make. Will he join We'll be back to this podcast episode shortly, but we wanted to take this time to give you an opportunity to give. Why do we give? At Midtown, we believe that giving is both an act of worship and a command. And the psalmist says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when we give, we're simply giving back to God what belongs to God in the first place. For those of you who give regularly, thank you. And if you're new around here, there's no obligation to give. We just encourage you to give however God is leading you. You can give digitally on our website or our app. But let's take a moment to pray right now. God, thank you that you have given us an opportunity to partner with you in the work that you want to do to display your goodness and your love to the world around us. So God, take this offering right now, multiply it and use it for the good of your people and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's get back to our podcast episode. With Saul on this road of transformed life. So go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show you how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God exposes our blind spots. You know, it reminds me of a story in John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a blind man. And after he heals the blind man, uh, the blind man starts telling people about it. People around town are talking about it. The blind man ends up in front of religious leaders, pastors of that time, people like me. Now, you would have thought the people like me in that day would have thought that was awesome that this man who was blind met Jesus and now he can see. But instead, they were disturbed. They said, who is this man healing on the Sabbath? He ain't supposed to be healing on the Sabbath. What are you doing that for? Why are you with it? That's not of God. That's of the devil. This leads to a conversation between 
between Jesus and these religious leaders known as Pharisees. And in the conversation with the Pharisees, Jesus basically tells them, I healed this man who was physically blind so that you could see how spiritually and religiously blind you are. Actually, your blindness is worse than his. Because there was all kinds of questions when this man was blind. Is he blind because he's a sinner? Is he blind because his mom and dad sinned? You know, is, 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 is this happening to you because you ain't been in church in two weeks? Is this happening to you because you ain't been giving and praying like you're supposed to? That's kind of an abusive theology where we beat people over the head and say the reason you coughing because you ain't giving. The reason that you got a headache, the reason you can't sleep at night, the reason God ain't give you what you want is because you ain't doing right. And it's like they, these, some of these people that are doing that, they're the ones that are blind because instead of giving grace, they're giving judgment. Instead of giving love, they're giving guilt. So, so everybody should have celebrated that the blind man, it don't matter if he was in church or not. All that matters is that he met Jesus. He was blind. Now he can see. If somebody gives, meets Jesus on the street and not here in this building, we should still celebrate. If somebody meet Jesus at the Safeway and not in the sanctuary, we should still celebrate. How are we going to get so pompous and religious and arrogant and prideful just because you didn't get to lay your hands on them and lead them to Jesus? The fact is they met Jesus whether they met you or not. So just like those Pharisees were spiritually blind, Saul was blind. And so God allowed him to become physically blind so that when he opened up his physical eyes to see again, he could see anew in all areas. In 2024, how does God want you to see something differently this year? Maybe you saw something last year wrongly. You, you had a blind spot when it came to that area. And this year, God wants you to see this situation, see this person, see this problem differently so that you can experience a deliverance, a healing, a transformation that you didn't experience last year just because you didn't see it right. We all got blind spots. One time a few years ago, I was driving on the freeway and I was changing lanes and I swear I looked in, in, to, to the side review mirror and, and then I changed lanes and I hit a car. When I got home, I tried to tell my wife it was the car that hit me, but <laughs> I realized that when you're changing lanes, you can't just look in the side mirror. You have to have the ability to simultaneously still look forward, but take a glance back. Still look forward, but take a glance back. Sometimes you got to keep going forward in life, but take a glance back so that when God changes lanes in your marriage, changes lanes in your family, changes lanes in your finances, if you look back too long, it'll be too painful. It'll be too traumatic. Don't look back too long because you'll be like Lot's wife who turned into a pillar of salt in the book of Genesis. Don't look back. Just glance back so you can go, oh, I wish I was preaching to somebody today. I wish I, wish I was giving a word to somebody somebody today. Don't, don't look back too long. Just Come on now. Some of y'all going to go home today. <laughs> yes, he will. Will he, won't he? You sit there every week, sis. You're this little corner right here. Y'all, y'all a good amen corner. Y'all a good amen corner. 
God exposes our blind spots. Why? Oh, they gave me a clock now. Why <laughs> does God expose our blind spots? Because it will allow us to see the double life we've been living. I'm, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about these other people you know. Not, I know y'all so righteous, but there's some Christians living a double life. They got a Sunday life and a Saturday life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, 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 they got a sacred life and they got a secular life. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? They got they, they Jesus language and they got they, <laughs> they ratchet language. You know what I'm saying? You know, they, 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 and, and, and you know what? The, the, the great intellectual W.E.B. Du Bois one of the first African-American intellectuals from Harvard. He, he, he wrote a book called The Souls of Black Folk. And he's talking to black people, but this word is for all people. He talked about when you're living in a world of oppression, when you're living in a world of sin, and we still are today, all of us, living in a world of sin, living in a world of oppression, what happens is two selves develop. There is the self that you really are, who God created you to be, and then there's the self that, that is, that is socialized in us so that we can survive in a broken world. So some of us have had to develop a second self when we go to work. We've had to develop a second self at the university. We've had to develop a second self when we're trying to get a loan for our, for our car, when we're trying to get a mortgage on our house. We had to have this self and this other self. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 had, you had to have your, your Zinfandel self and your grape Kool-Aid self. You're trying to live both of these selves on, on your rosé self and your blue Kool-Aid self. And, 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 and the world is socializes. And, and, and so what God does is he exposes our blind spots so that we can become our real self more and our false self less. That's why sometimes I have to look back and say, I'm not that Ephraim anymore. Nope, that's not, no, no, I'm moving forward. I'm, 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 I'm becoming less who I was and more of who God desires me to be. So he, he, so let me break this down. Why is his name both Saul and Paul? I used to believe something that's not true. I used to believe that his name was Saul and when he met Jesus, then God changed his name to Paul. That is not true. The reason he had two names is Paul is his Hebrew name and Saul is his Roman citizen name because he was both a religious leader, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was a citizen of Rome. This gave him privileges because he could walk into the Roman Empire and have voice with higher ups because of his citizenship in the culture, and he had his Hebrew name. Some of you in this room, the same is for you. You have another name, vice president, director, CEO, COO, uh, attorney, doctor. You, you have these other titles that give you a name in society in can I say the empire I know that might be a little dangerous for me to use that word in a democracy like the United States of America and the free market enterprise of the United States of America but sometimes I smell a little empire you know what I mean you ever walk in a room and go what's that smell you know what I mean and, and, and so and so you have have a godly name but you also have a worldly name and God wants to expose our blind spots so that even in the empire, we can still stand in our real name. 
Even in education, I'm going to stand as the daughter and son of God. Even in the healthcare system, I'm going to stand as the son and daughter of God. Even in corporate America, I'm going to stand as the son and daughter of God. Even in social work, even in psychology, even in entertainment, even at the, no matter where I am, they're going to try to make me Saul, but I'm going to claim Paul. And finally, the road to a faith revolution, God meets us on the road of our plans, God exposes our blind spots, and three, God gives us new vision and purpose. Acts 9 verse 18 says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. Could you, do you see that? He was going to Damascus to persecute people that believed in Jesus. Now he preaching about Jesus. You used to live a life that cursed God. Now you're trying to tell your neighbors about God. Amen. Oh man, oh man. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc? That's a nice little way of saying it. Isn't isn't the the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. I know you went into 2024 saying, I'm joining the gym. But have you really joined Jesus? I know that you went into 2024 resolved that you're going to go on a diet. But what if you're supposed to go into a journey with the divine God? I ain't telling you that you might not have to give up some carbs. But what about the issues in your soul that you need to give up? Because sometimes our physical being is connected to what is going on in our soul. What we're feeling physically is connected to what we're dealing with mentally, emotionally. That's why we're gonna talk about a health revolution in a few weeks. Sisters and brothers, God gives new vision and purpose. It's revolutionary. I I put it this way. Shouldn't the head of your life have a say in where you're headed? And maybe that's what it's about this year. Not simply a resolution, but the revolution is this year, like never before, the head of your life gets a say in where you and I are headed. Paul is now in community with the people that he was on the way to persecute. That is revolutionary. That's what the church should be like. The church should be a growing community of people that in the world were on the road to division. Oh my gosh, 2024 is a political year. It's a presidential election year. Lord have mercy. 
The war is still going on in Israel and Palestine. Lord, have mercy. There's still mass shootings. Lord, have mercy. A family in this city lost a 10-year-old boy. That right around the holidays, that should never happen. But the church should be a place where we can find refuge, where we can find security and safety and grace and love. We're divided out there, but we can be reconciled in here. We can be united in here. We can claim peace in here and go out there as reconcilers and peacemakers. We need to be a church that equips and releases into the world cross-cultural reconciling justice or disciple makers into a broken upside down world. This is who Midtown Church is as a community of hope, health, and healing. Let me close with this, sisters and brothers. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. The journey with God includes repentance and reconciliation. Can you believe it? Saul was on his way to persecute Christians and then he ends up in a brotherhood with Ananias. Are we willing to journey on the road with earthly enemies in order to become kingdom kinfolk? Kinfolk, that's a southern way of saying family members. Some of y'all don't don't know what kinfolk mean, kinfolk. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Idaho, you know what that means. Kinfolk. Um, I'm on the board of an organization called Sacramento Act. It's a ecumenical, faith-based, community organizing movement here in Sacramento. And a little over three months ago, some of the members of that ecumenical fellowship wanted Sacramento Act to make a statement about what is going on in Israel and Palestine. And trying to make a statement, first of all, it was a precedent because Sacramento Act is supposed to be about um, policies, reform, organizing around dealing with racial inequities, class inequities in the city of Sacramento and Sacramento County. We've never made a statement about an international issue because our work has been local. But because of the pain that members of the Islamic community and the Jewish community and others were feeling, a number of people said we had to make a statement. We had a board meeting, we could not come to an agreement. So then we ended up having a meeting a week before Christmas. I was privileged to be in this room where there were three rabbis, an imam, Bishop Soto, who oversees the Catholic diocese of our area, some other members of the Islamic community, a priest from an Episcopal church, a representative from a Methodist church, and we were sitting in a circle, and at first it was angry, it was painful, because those in the Jewish community didn't feel like the anti-Semitism that they were experiencing was being heard. They didn't believe that their real family members in Israel, 
that that pain was being heard. Members of the Islamic community and others felt like the struggle and the pain of the Palestinian people was not being heard. There was no empathy. It was not being felt. And we sat in this pain. We sat in this hurt. And then all of a sudden, one of the rabbis said, there are people in my synagogue who are, their children are going to school and third graders are saying to them, we should kill all Jews. But then a member of the Islamic community said their family was playing in a park and cars rode by, rolling down their windows, yelling Islamophobic rhetoric and telling them to go back to their country and get out of here. The problem was each group was having a hard time feeling the pain of the other because they were in so much pain. But by the time we left that meeting, we had crafted a statement calling for a ceasefire in the conflict in Israel and Palestine, calling for humanitarian aid, calling for the end of innocent children dying in the Gaza Strip, calling and recognizing that do you know that there are Christians in Palestine, Christians in Israel that are dying, that are scared. There are families that have loved ones there right now that are grieving. We weren't trying to make a political statement. What I realized when we left that room is we were so busy trying to make our statements, we weren't making room for God to make a statement and that's what we need this year we need God to make a statement I'm running out of time we need God to make a statement do you know that God is in the business of making statements yeah yeah when there was nothing God made a statement when he said let there be light God made a statement when when all of humanity was wicked and evil God made a statement to Noah and said build an ark and all of humanity and all of creation won't die when Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a child. God made a statement. When the Hebrews were in slavery in Egypt, God said to Moses, I see them. I hear their cries. Go to Pharaoh. I'm ready to make a statement. When they were about to leave slavery in Egypt and they looked at the Red Sea, God made a statement and divided the waters. When they were in the desert, a rebellious people, God made a statement to Joshua and said, lead them into the promised land. Oh, when Daniel was in a fiery furnace, God made a, uh, I'm sorry, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace, God made a statement and had Jesus standing right there next to him. When it seemed like all hope was gone, God made a statement in the belly of Mary and brought Jesus here. When he healed the sick, God made a statement. When he gave sight to the blind, God made a statement. When he gave mobility to the paralyzed, God made a statement. When Jesus went to the cross, he was making a statement. And early Sunday morning, when he rose with all power in his hand, God made a statement. Would you let God make a statement in your marriage? Would you let God make a statement in your body? Would you let God make a statement in your finances? I can hear God speaking. God is trying to say 
something to you right now. I believe that God in 2024 is going to have the last word. Satan can't have the last word. A demon can't have the last word. Sickness won't have the last word. Debt won't have the last word. Poverty won't have the last word. Unemployment won't have the last word because Jesus will have the last word. I don't care what the doctor says. God got something to say. I don't care what your employer says. God got something to say. I don't care what the Democrats say. God got something to say. I don't care what the Republicans say. God got something to say. I don't care what CNN says. God got something to say. I don't care what Hollywood says. God will have the last word in my life. So if you're here, you, 1130 about to come in here, Lord Jesus. Uh, if you know you need to start this year by God having a word, I want you to come down to this altar right now. I'm going to start this year with a God having a word in my life. I'm going I'm to start this year with God having a word in my life. God, I need a word for my single life. I need a word for my marriage. I need a word for my crisis. I, I need a word for my pain. I need a word for my anxiety. I need a word for my stress. I need a word. I, I need a word. I got to start 2024 with God. I, I can't start it. I got to start it. Oh, you coming out here on the keyboard now? I needed you when I was saying, do you know Jesus? I, I, needed you about five minutes ago, bro. But, uh, you know what? You may not come when I want you, but you're right on time. Now you want to do it. I want you to know this. I don't care what you're going through, sister. I don't care what you're going through, brother. God gets the last word. Pastor Krista, God gets the last word. God gets the last word. You hear me? God gets the last word. God gets the last word. Fred, God gets the last word. God gets the last the Keisha, God gets the last word. God gets the last word. God gets the last word. I don't care what you're going through. God gets the last word. God gets the last word. God, I pray for healing. I pray for strength. I pray for grace. I pray for love. I pray for salvation. I pray for deliverance. Because those are your words, not mine. They're your words. God, you get to make a statement in 2024. Let it be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let the church say amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Hope to see you again next week. for tuning into Midtown Church. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for weekly messages to stay rooted in the word and for a dose of hope, health, and healing in your life. Want to get more connected to Midtown Church? Just visit us online at midtownchurch.org.